Amen. Thank you, Phil. Um, so you can see that we dress for the occasion. We're on the same. We're on the same page. Um, and it's a real honour to be able to do this together tonight. We're going to do it this way. We're going to um, tag team our way through what we're talking about here. So there'll be a bit of me, a bit of Dave back and forwards and um, that's the way we're going to go tonight and also we've asked Nathan and lovely Beth um, <laughs> to play on purpose because what we really want to happen tonight is that we're getting an encounter with, with God at a deeper level and it's heart level um, and um, Phil if we could have the PowerPoint up is that okay thank you because reading through the Psalms as I did in the summer, um, and I was really picking out about uh, God's character. And, you know, David just says so many times, oh, you know, the Lord's description, the Lord's greatness is just beyond description. And his stunning beauty overwhelms all who come before him. And as Dave and I prepared tonight, we prepared it together. That's what we'd love to happen. We want it to be like a sense of astonishment and being stunned again at a deeper level about who God is. So you might want to take some notes, but on purpose, we're not giving you notes just now. And just another thing is to say by way of introduction, obviously we're talking about Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. So if we could move it on um, and on again. So in the time that we've got now, um, where we want to land in about just under under an hour's time is just as we said that we have a greater sense of who God is. His attributes, that's just the word that just describes something that's true of God. Okay, so when we say attributes, that's that's what that is. And um, you know, we just want to get to that place where we just you know no, at a deeper level, he's just infinitely bigger than we could ever imagine or ever ever know. Yeah, Lord, we just want a desperation for your presence. You know, Tom, Tommy Tenney once, um, well, he said quite often that God comes to desperate people. And, you know, how desperate are we <laughs> for his presence? Um, it was interesting because Picking up Bill Johnson's book, the very first paragraph he wrote was, was this. Coinciding with a new passion and mass conversions, God always added another factor during revival, another element of offense. It seems to be God's way. It's his way of separating the casual from the passionate, the hungry from the satisfied, and for the desperate, every bitter thing is sweet. Wow. So, he wants us to be desperate. Sometimes we just put other things first, don't we? we it's, it's part of life somehow, and, and th- we get involved in other things. And um, One of the Ten Commandments is um, that we put God first. And... Uh, 
We desperately, desperately, desperately need his presence. Everything we do, we need his presence. Tommy Tenney wrote this, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of just being another somebody to the lost around me. I've made a decision. I've made up my mind and set my heart to declare I am going to pursue the presence of God in my life. I'm going to get so close to God that when I walk into secular and public places, people will meet him. We need to be in agreement to put our revelation of God above our current circumstances. It's very easy sometimes, especially if we're ill or whatever and we give in to the illness and it's very easy not to put God first. It's very easy to put our circumstances and our feelings first. But that's not God's way. God's so much bigger than our circumstances. Moses wanted to see God's glory. But we need to listen to some of the scriptures. Joel 2, for example, verse 25 says, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten. Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. So you're beginning to see where we want to go with this. And I just want to say that this is just the start of the journey tonight. Um, through the module, um, we'll be looking more into who God is in different ways. So tonight is really to kind of get us more intrigued maybe, a deeper heart connection. And as Dave was just saying, to start up a passion to um, know him more. So tonight, it's going to be different to other nights. You're not going to be talking so much to the person next to you, but we will be trying to get you to encounter um, God as we go through tonight and hopefully raise some other questions and things that you can take forward and journal and, um, and, and do in, um, later on. So can we move on, please, Phil? Just to say when we're talking about God, this is a quote from this book, which I've had for a long time. You can see it's a bit chewed. It's by Tozer. It's called Knowledge of the Holy, and it's a brilliant book. And uh, he says, he is greater than all language, and no statement can express him. Indeed, if any statement could express him, he would be less than human speech, which could, be, which could by such a statement, comprehend and gather up all that he is. So he's just way beyond our language. So we're trying to use language tonight <laughs> to convey who God is. But it only takes us so far. And um, the Psalms, Isaiah, through the Bible, obviously it's full of revelation of who God is. And in Isaiah, um, you know, there's this picture of the sovereign Lord coming with power to rule. But he's also like a shepherd. He's a, he's a, he's a father who gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. So, as we're thinking in, about God tonight, and as we're ca- trying to capture some of the bigness of him, try not to get in front of the speaker, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that he carries us in his arms, and he holds us really close to his heart. 
And uh, Bryony, in, in another session, is going to t- go into that more. She's going to look at the, f- the fear of God and also the Father heart of God, aren't you? So there's that aspect. Okay. Time for a little bit of activation. What I want you to do is just put down your pens and, and books. Once imagine it's a, a clear, clear starry night. All the, the stars are out and you're on your back and you're looking up into heaven. And you're just enjoying that moment. It's not raining, so it might not be the UK. Okay? Okay, and it's warm, so there's no issue about that. Okay, so just take that scene in. And what's wonderful about this night is that Jesus is actually on his back, laid beside you, looking up to the stars with you. And what I want you to do for a minute is just... Enjoy that scene. Enjoy being with Jesus. And then maybe just ask Jesus something about the awesomeness of the stars of the universe. And just hear what he says to you. Just take a minute. Just imagine that Jesus says something like this. This is actually from Isaiah. Just, but just hear it through Jesus. Um, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Father brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. For the sake of time, we're going to move on. But maybe Jesus has already been talking to you about that. So I would encourage you to maybe go back to that place, journal at another time. And Phil, can you move it on, please? So that scene you've seen in your mind's eye, looking up at these stars, in terms of the universe and everything, that's it right here. So when we think about everything as we know and as we can see, looking at the stars, there's way more in God's, our Lord, the one that we worship, the one that we love, the one who's our daddy, has made it all. And he's awesome in every way. And as Nathan said last week, you know, we look up at this, the stars and um, we get a sense of, yeah, God's big, but he's way bigger than what we could ever really get our our heads around. Because that little bit there is our little bit. There's so much more. Okay, can we move on, please? 
Yeah, that little bit is our galaxy. It's not just the Earth. There are something like 70,000 million million stars that we can see. And that's just a tiny fraction. God created everything by the word of his mouth. And Jesus was the word made flesh. Incredible, isn't it, to think that God spoke and he spoke things into being. Psalm 95 says, In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Quite a vivid description of God in creation. And in John 1, we, we read about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. I I just want to read this um, bit. It's quite well known, really, from Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And one seraphim cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. Just one other thing. I just want to. Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the Holy Spirit is Ruach HaKodesh, which literally means Spirit of Holiness or Spirit of the Holy Place. And it's associated, very associated with the Shekinah presence, the Shekinah glory when the Holy Spirit comes. The Shekinah's there somewhere. And we're going to see it one day. Yeah, so we get to know who God is through creation, through how he's revealed himself to people in history as recounted in the Bible. And that's a developing revelation. If you think how he met um, Moses and he said, I am who I am. And then how he, of course, encountered um, before that Abraham and other people. And there was a developing sense and knowledge of who God is. And so he, there were lots of different names for God, like God our provider, God our shepherd, God our healer, God our salvation. And that wasn't a download just in a minute. That was actually revealed through real life between God and, um, and the people of Israel. So again, that's something else to explore through the year. Maybe as you're going through the Bible reading in the year and you're journaling, 
really look out for that. How does God reveal himself? And then maybe the Old Testament will become more alive as you do that. And then Psalms and Isaiah. I Through the summer, I spent quite a lot, lot of time in the Psalms and in Isaiah just looking at what it says about their encounters with God. We just read of one there in Isaiah um, uh, 6. And it's just filled with wonderful, wonderful, wonderful revelation about the awesomeness of who God is. So again, as you go through the year, just let that really come right into your heart. Then, of course, that we know who God is through Jesus. He's the Word of God. You know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is like the final words. And he said, obviously through his life, everything that he did, he was revealing the Father. He was, he said, you know, you come to the Father through me. In Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory. So again, as we go through the year, and as we're journaling, and as we're doing the, the, the Bible reading, and going through the sessions, we're going to come to a far greater place of, wow, your beauty is stunning, Lord. You are amazing. Can we move on, please? Um, we will think more about particular attributes of God as we go through, but just for a minute, in Acts 17, Paul was in Athens, and there they had lots of, of uh, places for uh, worshipping of this God or that God, and they had a place that was set up, uh, assigned to the unknown God, and that was the place that Paul spoke into, and through this, I think he's shown us something really key. Because it's as we discover who God is that we really know our identity too, as Heather said in the introduction. Because this is just part of what Paul said. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He's not served by human hands. There we go. Back again. As if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life breath, and everything else. From one man he made all the nations. He marked out their appointed times. For in him we live, move, and have our being. Okay, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah? He gives everyone life, breath, and everything else. Everything is covered. Because he's a good dad. He's awesome. And it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. So as we get to know who God is, that brings us to a place of, wow, you are amazing. You're amazing for who you are. But it doesn't stop there. (laughs) Because once we, you know, we have... 
accepted Jesus as our Savior, His Spirit is in us, and we are born again. God is in us, and so His identity becomes our identity. If you attended uh, Karen's session last week, she was talking about that. How um, you know God? There's like an anchoring point because of who God is. I can be confident, um, and I can have this new identity because of everything that's coming from Him to me. Okay, thanks, Phil. Next one. <laughs> so as a way into looking into different attributes of God, we thought the place to home in on is that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And um, put this image up. It's, um, it's roughly a triangle. So it went, went off, the image went off a little bit. All right, representing the Holy Spirit. But why I wanted to put that in, can, I don't know if you can see, this is actually from our trip to Morocco in January, and it was from our Riyadh. Where's Lauren? Okay. It wasn't me and Lauren that went, but they, they went separately in their honeymoon <laughs> um, just the next week after we were there, so she knows what a Riyadh's like. And can you see that through the triangle right in the middle, there's an intimate place where people can eat and have communion together and be close together? So as you hear from wonderful Dave, just hold that picture in your mind that, you know, through the triangle of the Holy Spirit, we're invited not only to look in, but to enter into that place. Because that in that place there, there imagine Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. But we don't have to be in the outside looking in. The invitation is that we can come into the inside. And there'll be more of that in other sessions, won't there, John? Okay. Yeah, I just want to teach you um, something um, that kind of links us with God. Okay. And uh, because we are created in His image, we are designed to follow His patterns. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Over the years, many people have got a little bit confused over this verse because they've said it's a bit of a mystery. How can God be one but still be three? Because there's a little key, a little secret in Hebrew, um, and I have taught on this before in, in, in church, but a lot of you won't have heard, heard it, so I'm bringing it now. Um, basically, this little word is a key because it... it it's a correct translation that God is one, but there's a deeper translation in Hebrew. And that translation is that the Lord is a unity. Okay? Um, and I have checked this up at a synagogue, um, and it's correct. So, you know, I'm okay, I'm on track. So, huh. Um, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is, the Lord is a unity. What in earth is a unity? Well, it's the same word that appears in Genesis 2, verse 24. Uh, incidentally, I have got notes on this, so you don't need to write it down. There'll be a handout on it afterwards. Um, Genesis two twenty-four that says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's that same little word, echad, a unity of flesh. Okay. 
So, what is a unity? Okay. A unity, very simply in Scripture, if you look at God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of them are equal members of the Godhead. So, what a unity really is, it's something that appears to be one, but actually is made up of different parts that are one in their own right. So, the Father is one, the Son is one, the Holy Spirit is one, but they come together and they form equal parts of another oneness, a unity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, they're all different from each other. And because they're different, the differences fit together to form that oneness. Okay. But as you go through scripture, there is something even deeper. If we go into the New Testament, we, t- we hear about being one. It's the same principle, even though it might be in Greek, it's the same principle because all the writers were Hebrew. It's the same principle. John 17, verse 21. Jesus prayed that they may, all, that we may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying that we may all be one, fashioned after him, fashioned after the Godhead, that we, may, that we are all designed to be a unity, the same as his And then Paul, in Ephesians 5, verse 30 to 32, says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then he quotes Genesis again. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, actually a unity of flesh. This is a great mystery. But I'm speaking concerning the Messiah and the church we are designed after him here Paul anchors it the mystery is the unity of the church we're crafted after God we are all totally unique it's because this is what a unit has to be because each one of us is designed to slot into the body so don't ever try and think you must be like somebody else because God has made you in a certain way to fit into the body with your gifts, your talents, your personality. It's all been crafted so that you fit into a place. And during this course, this is what you, this is what you need to look for. What place do I fit into the body? How do I fit in? What do I do? How does God want to use me? How, does he, how has he built me and made me? so that I fulfill his desire for me. There's also a, a kind of element in, in this of submission to each other, but it's submission to the giftings that are in us. 1 Peter 5 verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we can submit to each other in the anointing and gifting that each of us carries. This is all part of the oneness, all part of the unity. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians 12, we get all the 
gifts of the Holy Spirit listed, we all have access to all the gifts. But the combination of all these means we are so unique. Every one of us. Can you move it on, please, Phil? Um, okay, so just to, if you like, wrap this little bit up. Um, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the persons of God being one, have one will. They always work together. And never one smallest act is done without the instant acquiescence of the others. Every act of God is accomplished by the Trinity in unity. Just look at that for a minute. I didn't write that. That's another Tozer quote. I'm not that clever. Um, so, okay, so what he's saying that, just as Dave was just teaching there, that there's such a oneness, such an agreement, such a unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, let's maybe move it on. Right, it's a yellow one, so that means it's, Time for activation again. Okay, time for more encounter. Um, what I want us to think about, for you to think between yourself and, and, and God, is just reflect how God has revealed himself to you. Okay, so we've been thinking about Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And maybe think about maybe the first time or like a really key time? And what was it about him? What was it about his character, his attributes that he encountered you, that you encountered, that impacted you? How did he reveal yourself? So in this second, I'm just going to pray and ask God just to help you with that. But let me just give my example. So I think it was about 16, 17, and I was in my bedroom and I was pretty fed up and quite confused, a bit hacked off with church and um, desperate for God. And wanting to know that my life would count for something because I felt kind of trapped. And I was in my bedroom and I was reading Psalm 139. And Psalm 139, um, it talks about how God, you know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know a thought before it's formed um, in, in, my, in my, my mouth, in my mind. I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And it talked about how that, where can I go to flee from your presence if I go to the far ends of the earth? Get there, you're there. So, you know, you're so present. And I felt, it was okay, it was information to my head, but it exploded in my heart, and God's presence was really on me. And it was a life-changing moment. So in that moment, God came to me, and he said, I know you. <laughs> I know you, and that meant everything to me. So it was like, wow, you know, everything about me, and that felt okay. And you're with me because you're omnipresent. So it was those two things that impacted me at that time. That's part of my story. But it might be, you know, obviously different for you. So just close your eyes, just engage, just just let the music help you. Let's just come into that place. 
So Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you can have a conversation with either of them. And just ask them, ask him to show you a key moment where he revealed himself to you. And what was that aspect? What was it that really impacted you at that time? I'm not going to ask you to share it. Again, this is something for you to maybe journal, put a note in your journal later. But these encounters are really important. They're as important as Moses meeting Jesus at the burning bush. Because it's your story, it's my story. Okay. Some of the aspects of God's incredible power. He is omnipresent, which means basically that he is present everywhere, all at the same time, which is amazing. He's present in me. He's, he can be present in a, an atmosphere, so many things, so many places he can be present, all at the same time. Because of time, I'm not going to share a, a, another experience right now, but we'll just move on. He is omnipotent. He has the ability and the power to do anything that he wants to do. He is totally all-powerful. Tozer said, since he has at his command all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for a renewal of strength. All the power required to do, all that he wills to do, lies in undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. He's also omniscient. He knows everything. He encompasses all knowledge of the universe, past, present, and future. He knows the end from the beginning. He can see what we cannot see. Psalm 147 tells us he determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Imagine God not only knows how many stars there are in the universe, but he knows each of them by name. An amazing he's also eternal God lives in the everlasting now he has no past or future time in scripture refers to our timeline not his 
what's amazing that if we start to think about that, that means that if the length of this room is, if that's creation, and this is heaven across, across here, we're on the timeline somewhere. So we're at our point in history. So God, Father, Holy Spirit's at the, at the start. He's at the end. At the same time. Because he's eternal. He's not locked into time. And thoughts like that just... He is amazing. He says, I am God and there's no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And because he is eternal, he, he will continue to be the one safe place for us. He's also infinite, boundless, measureless. And so his love is infinite. His mercy is infinite. His wisdom is infinite. There are no, no boundaries. That's why we can say, and it's not just being um, casual, that, no, Sarah, you're his favorite, and Rich, you're his favorite. And because he's, he's infinite, he's infinite. He doesn't have to carve himself up. There is no measure. We get, each of us gets the fullness of the encounter with him, which is Wow. It's also, that word at the top, immutable. Okay. Um, if you think about, was it the ninja mutant turtles? They were changeable. But our God is immutable. He doesn't change. And that's why we say, you know, God's in a good mood today. Because <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't change in his, his heart f- for, for his creation. He doesn't change. We know the way he's going to be when we come to him. Because he's amazing in, in, in that, in every way. Is it next slide? Is it? Next slide, Phil, please. And uh, I think we can move on to the next one as well. <sighs> wow. Do you want to say something about this before I... Yeah. Um... We could have spent like forever on this slide beforehand. I hope you realize that. The attributes of God um, and what that means. But as we said at the start, this is the beginning of the journey. So as we're going through the year, let's get more connected. You're all looking at the image now. So um, it's about training our minds to think God's way in every circumstance and to really in the moment stop and recognize who he is and to put who he is and what that therefore means above our circumstances. The reason I put that image there, this was us, I don't know, I think it was somewhere in France and um, the pattern of the staircase just, just got me. So I stopped, took the photo and it and then I thought, oh, I've got red shoes as well. It all fits. But I stopped and enjoyed the moment. And so it became something. And that's what he, he loves. It's a bit like, like when Nathan was talking last week and how Nathan just made 
space for God in his experience. And then he just came and he met you, didn't he? And then when he comes, you stopped and you enjoyed the moment. You, you enjoyed that encounter. And that's one thing that we really want to get across tonight. It's not just facts about who God is. It's about pressing in and recognizing when he's coming, being ready for the encounter and stopping for it. But also training our minds to think God's way. Um, And I really do encourage you to go through the Psalms. This is one Psalm that really particularly um, excited me through the summer. And um, it was in the Passion Bible. And um, if we had more time, I think I would have got you to just soak in this and, and pull out from it. But I just want to read some of the things that it says in here. Shout hallelujah to Yahweh. May every one of his lovers hear my passionate praise to him. For God's mighty miracles astound me. His wonders are so delightfully mysterious that they leave all who seek them astonished. Everything he does is full of splendor and beauty. Each miracle demonstrates his eternal perfection. His unforgettable works of surpassing wonder reveal the grace and tender mercy. He satisfies all who love and trust him, and he keeps every promise he makes. And that's his only just like a third of the way into it, in, in that psalm. And it's like David has really got something. He has stopped. He's honoring the encounter with God. And he's also, he didn't have a plain sailing life, but he's saying that Everything he does is full of splendor and beauty. And every miracle demonstrates his eternal perfection. Okay? So, as we um, move on and come wrapping this up. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. That's the revelation. And then the consequence is, Whom shall I fear? So that's a similar thing as well. It's making that connection between God's identity. So what is the impact? What is the response that can be mine? And what we've tried to show so far is that knowing God is important above everything else because he's forever worthy of our adoration because of who he is. So he's forget everything else. He's just because of who he is. He is worthy of us falling on our faces and going, wow, we're undone. But what's awesome is that God is in us, uh, and so his awesome identity impacts our life in every way, and we take on aspects of who he is as well. So if we just move on, just quickly. Um, this is in the handout that you'll have at the end, but what was, what I think is amazing is that God is eternal, And in my identity, I have been given eternal life through Jesus, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him has eternal life. God is omnipresent, so he's present in me all the time. God is omnipotent. In Ephesians, it says, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. That amazing, incomparable power, Ephesians 1. 
And so we could go on. And if I just pick up transcendent glory, I didn't put it on the slide. It's on the handout. But it says in um, 2 Corinthians that as we behold God's glory, we are changed from one degree of glory into another, this transformation. So his identity we take into our lives. As Sam said in his talk, you know, we, we are a new creation in Christ because of what he's done. Just move on quickly. So at the end, there's one more thing we want to do after this, this slide, but at the end you'll have a handout. And what this, this is on the handout, a little bit of homework. Okay, it's extension work. So in the light of all that we've been going through tonight, in the light of, you know, God's attributes and who he is for us. So t- just taking one verse that we know really well, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called by his purposes. And we really hold on to that verse. But I must admit, I hadn't until recently really thought, how does God make all things work together for good based on his attributes? What, what's actually, you know, God, what, what are you doing in that? I mean, to give you an example of one thing, he's omniscient. He knows everything. So if I don't know how to work something out, and he's omniscient, wow, that's a big, big clue. So um, you don't have to write that down. It's on the, on the sheet. But I really would encourage us to really absorb who God is, his character, but also get hold of the revelation that his identity is in us. Because as we get that, that changes the game forever. That, that, that just, that's just amazing. So as we come towards the end, I just want to focus on the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I was looking for things to do, in this talk, I came across a book that I'd had for years and never looked at it for a long time. It's a little book called The Anointing by Benny Hinn. Quite a, quite a little book. And I want to read you an extract from it because there's a huge lesson in, the, in this extract. And this was right in the early ministry of Benny Hinn when he was still starting out, really, I guess. And he said this, I lay on my bed in my Detroit hotel room and relaxed, praying quietly and worshipping the Lord. It was Saturday night in one day in 1980. The clock showed midnight and I was about to preach the next morning and the evening at a church just outside town. After a few moments... The presence of God came into the room so strongly that tears began to roll down my face. How many always have been there? And I was caught up in his glory. Before I knew it, the time was 2 a.m. and I was still praying. Then the next day, he says, I went to the service And when the time came, I began to preach. I opened my mouth to say the first words, and a cloud of glory came into that building. It was as though the Shekinah 
the awesome holy presence of God Almighty's glory had arrived. It was heavy, so heavy that you couldn't move. People began to weep. As I was speaking, some just fell from their seats onto the floor. They just crumbled and sobbed. Their response was amazing. What was happening? Then I closed my eyes and said just one word. Jesus. Whoosh! God's presence and power swept through the auditorium even greater than before. Following the service, I was scheduled to have lunch at the home of a cousin. As we were enjoying lunch, I felt the Lord tugging at my heart. Penny, go and pray. Go and pray. Lord, I can't. I can't leave now. I'm, I'm, I'm having lunch with these people. I, I, I didn't even drive here. The hotel's 45 minutes away. I've got no way of getting there. How can I leave in the middle of lunch? And he didn't. He stayed for lunch. And he says this. When I arrived at the meeting, the crowd was double what it had been. Still excited, filled with anticipation. I got up to preach, but when I opened my mouth, there was nothing. Only words. No presence. No overwhelming anointing of the Spirit. No power. And I struggled. What on earth was wrong? The meeting was a disaster. And I couldn't get back to my hotel room fast enough. So I got back to my hotel room and I prayed. And the Holy Spirit whispered, Benny, remember this afternoon when I was tugging at you, saying, go and pray. You chose to stay with your cousin. You gave your cousin and her husband the place that belongs to me. The voice was still, gentle and soft. That's part of the price, Benny. Are you willing to pay for the price of the anointing? Quite a lesson, that. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit says and then do what he says. Because if we don't, we're not going to get the anointing. This last year or so, I've read quite a bit about Azusa Street, and uh, it's one of my favourite uh, books on Azusa Street. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will ask us to do something very unusual. It doesn't happen very often, but sometimes He'll ask us to do something unusual. And at Azusa Street, he asked the pastor, William Seymour, to put a box on his head and to leave it there until the anointing came. Highly unusual, isn't it? <laughs> Boy, did he come in for so much criticism and ridicule from the press and from other church leaders. But he did it. He did it for three and a half years. And whenever he went into the room and put the box on his head and he just waited, sometimes it would be 
maybe 10 minutes, sometimes it could be an hour. They just waited until the presence of the Holy Spirit just fell. And he just took the box off his head and incredible miracles, the most incredible miracles happened when he did that. Things like, you know, one of them was a man who's, who came in with no arm. His arm had been cut, cut damaged and cut off right by from his shoulder. As they prayed for him, they watched the arm grow in front of their eyes. All the arm, down the arm, hand, fingers, fingernails, everything came back. These were the sort of miracles that happened when William Seymour did what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. Crazy as it was. But after three and a half years, he stopped doing it. And some of the survivors from Azusa Street were asked back in the 1960s, what happened at Azusa Street? Why did the anointing stop? And they said, well, it started to stop when Seymour stopped putting the box on his head. Simple crazy thing but it pays to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and not to stop doing what he said to do until he says stop so Lord we want to be a people that does what you ask us to do first of all we want to hear your voice we want to hear your voice clearly We want to be a people that listens to you. Because in Hebrew, to listen is not just to hear, it's to obey as well. We want to be a people that listens. We want to be a people that obeys what you say. And it's a big lesson to learn, especially when we go out on the streets and wherever we go, to listen to what he's saying to us because that's when the power comes. God, we want the power. Holy Spirit, we want the power. Would you just come, Holy Spirit, and just touch us? Would you just come and touch us? Just come and stir in us that passion for you, that passion for your presence, that passion for who you are. Would you make us desperate? for your presence we want to become a desperate people Lord Jesus name thank you Father wow Would you like to just circulate the notes, guys, as we wrap up now? Thank you so much. That's excellent.